campers. Welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan. I'm Madison. Hello. How are you? Hi. Welcome to Immature History. Mm -hmm. We're going to read you stories from the internet about weird, funny, odd things in history. Yeah, you love it. You're going to like it. You're going to at least like it. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Um, I'm going to start us off. Yeah. And I'm going to really hit home. Okay. Literally. Great. Because I'm going to read the Wikipedia entry for the Florence Y'all water tower. <laughs> oh, it's a little too it's close a, to It's home. a little too. Can we see it from your house? <laughs> Almost. Almost. If you had some binoculars. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of you might not know what we're talking about. So mm-hmm. here we go. Mm-hmm. And also I'll clarify that I am saying Florence Y'all as in you all. Yeah. All right. The Florence Y'all water tower is a water tower owned by the city of Florence, Kentucky, United States. Heard of it. Heard of it. (laughs) It stands between the Florence Mall and Interstate Highway 75 and 71, where it is seen by millions of interstate motorists annually. Yeah. The tower, built in 1974 and initially painted with the words Florence Mall (laughs) in giant letters... This is the dumbest fucking thing. Which is arguably one of the worst malls in the tri-state area. It's terrible. It's bad. There are some worse ones, you know, but... I think they've all gone out of business, though. Yeah. (laughs) So... So... Um, The tower became a regional landmark after the M was changed to a Y apostrophe to address (laughs) legal concerns. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Um, Then it tells you that it can hold about 1 million U.S. gallons of water... Um, and my brain can't quantify where it is. So it's in Kentucky near Cincinnati. Uh huh. Um, (laughs) okay. In the early 1970s, the developers of the yet to be built mall gave the land for the tower to the city, stipulating that the words Florence mall be painted on it in view of interstate motorists. Mm -hmm. The tower would thus advertise the mall, which would open in September, 1976. So a few years out. Okay. The tower was built by the Pittsburgh Des Moines Steel Company of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and painted in 1974 by the worst named company of all time, Uh the Virginia Erection Company. No, (laughs) no. Call your business anything else. The Virginia Erection Company. Yeah, well, and especially since the word Virginia is way too close to the word vagina. It has the word virgin. It has the word virgin built in. It's just (laughs) the funniest thing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The giant advertisement, Mm -hmm. uh, juxtaposition, immediately raised legal concerns. In Ju- of course it does. In July yeah. 1974, State Bureau of Highways officials told the city that the tower sign was illegal because it advertised something which didn't yet exist, which is why you oh. can't legally advertise for peace. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, I made up that last part. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, But you probably couldn't. Among the discussed possibilities, <laughs> so they have they have to change this water tower. Yeah. It's a real crisis. Yeah. Among the discussed possibilities were repainting or repainting the tower or covering the words with a large tarpaulin, which I assume is just the full form of tarp. Sure. Is tarp an is abbreviation? Tarp? Yeah, I never knew. Yep, it is. Oh, oh, that ruined my world. Oh, no. 
With time running out to comply with the law, <laughs> this is a movie. Yeah. Uh, civil staff met for a brainstorming session at the Stringtown restaurant with CM Hop Ewing, then mayor of Florence, who, quote, sketched different ideas on a napkin. I mean, this is cinematic. On a napkin? On a napkin. Okay. Hop Ewing sketched <laughs> options for this illegal water tower fiasco onto yeah. a napkin. But at like... A- he knew he was going to this meeting. You couldn't have brought a you couldn't have brought paper. <laughs> Mayors, they simply can't afford yeah, paper. They can't afford it. They went to a place called Stringtown Restaurant. Okay. Does that know. still exist? We have to look it up. I'm looking it I'm up. I'm going to make a pilgrimage. <laughs> Stringtown. Um, Ewing ultimately devised the idea for removing the vertical lines at the side of the M in Mall adding a stem to make it a Y and adding an apostrophe resulting in y'all. So that's a part I didn't even realize that uh-huh. like they didn't even like some of the M still existed. Still there. That's crazy. That's so funny. Ewing called it a quote corny solution, but cost effective because the minor alteration would cost one third of a full repainting. Why <laughs> go to Michael's? Simply go to Michael's and rent a ladder. That Virginia Erection Company. They're, they're just, like, sorry. They're charging premiums. Yeah, they're like, our hands are tied. Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, the city paid $472 to the W.T. Marks Company of Cincinnati, Ohio, to make the changes. Mm. The publicity surrounding the Florence Yall Tower advertised the mall better than a passive sign alone. We know that's yeah, right. Yeah, we know it. I wouldn't even know that there's a mall there. No. Had it not been for that water tower. I don't know that I've ever been to the Florence Mall because it's simply not worth going to. I think you can take it off of your bucket list. Okay, I will. Um, Stringtown Bar and Grill does still exist. (gasps) We should go. We should go. I wonder if they have like the booth marked. Oh. If not, (laughs) if not, I'm going to. I'll pay for that plaque. I will. I will pay for that plaque. On the mall's opening day in late 1976, mall-goers created a traffic jam at the Kentucky Route 18 exit from I-75. Although, like, 75 is always jammed. Yeah, it's so, literally like, always. So, like, don't flatter yourself, Florence, Yeah, if it's y'all. rush hour, that, that exit is mm-hmm. pretty hectic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, I would like to remind you all before this next section that the reason they couldn't call it or that it had to be changed in the first place was because the Florence Mall didn't exist. Right. In the story timeline, the mall does now exist. Okay. Right. So they could have changed it. Yeah. Um, as a general rule, water towers are cleaned about every five years and repainted about every 10. Mm. The repaintings of the Florence Tower have hidden the original patchwork modification. At some point, the red and white stripes on the tower were extended onto the top where the where they converge into a spoke pattern easily visible from aircraft. Mm. The tower's rewritten words have become a local motto of sorts because they simply kept painting Florence, Florence y'all. <laughs> a town festival held around Labor Day was renamed the Florence y'all fest. Yeah. The words can be found on lapel pins, bumper stickers, mouse pads. Who uses mouse pads <laughs> as like advertising? <laughs> Postcards and t-shirts. A local miniature golf course, Florence's World of Golf, uh-huh. features a Florence Y'all replica. Yeah. The soft play area in Florence Mall. I'm uncomfortable with that soft naming play. convention. I don't like Just that. call it Kids Zone. Yeah. Uh, area in Florence Mall has its own replica tower. Hmm. The local independent league baseball team, this yeah. is my favorite part, <laughs> renamed itself the Florence Y'alls in January 2020. <laughs> 
so good. It's so good. But it had celebrated the tower even during its 16 seasons as the Florence Freedom. Mm-hmm. The team's mascot is a large inflatable <laughs> y'all star. A <laughs> y'all star. <laughs> The team has given away Florence Y'all Water Tower bobblehead dolls. I have to get my hands on I one. I know their marketing department is just having a field day. Oh, every they are day. living their best life. <laughs> when the Freedom hosted the Frontier League's annual All-Star Game in 2016, they marketed it as the Y'all Star Game oh with the water God. tower in the official logo. I love that. I love it so much. <laughs> And that is the Florence Y'all Water Tower. Wow. A local treasure. I I love that so much. We take it for granted. We do. We do. We don't give it enough credit, that (laughs) that water tower. No. Just a few exits south of me. Um. I'm also going to do a Wikipedia article today. Hello, Wikipedia. Uh, (laughs) And I'm going to do one of our favorite things, which is an eccentric. Ah. Um, this is the Wikipedia page for John Mad Jack Mitten. Beautiful. Mitten? Mitten. Cute. Yeah, with a Y, though. Uh, oh. Yeah, kind of Where? Cool. The first? M-Y-T-T-O-N. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's like, I could see uh, a white woman naming her son that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's He's the... He's dressed purely in beige. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He has his own Instagram. Yes. Um, John Madjack Mitten was a British eccentric and rake of the Regency period who was briefly a Tory member of Parliament. A rake? A rake. Do you know what a rake is? Let me click Yes, on it. but I don't think I know the right definition. <laughs> In a historical context, a rake, short for rake hell, analogous to Hellraiser, was a man oh. who was habituated to immoral conduct, particularly womanizing. Okay. So not a good, not a positive. Not the best. Thing. All right. Uh, John Minton was born on September 30th, 1796. The son of John Minton, because they just keep reusing names. Uh, they love doing that. And Espe- I mean, once Harriet. you get a name as unique as John, you really have to just keep <laughs> using so it. so unique. Yeah. It just, you know. You know. And biblical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His, his family were Shropshire squires with a lineage that stretched back some 500 years. Wow. How many Johns? <laughs> I mean, it's Johns all the way down. Yeah, it is. His father died at the age of 30 when Jack was two years old, and he inherited the family seat of Halston Hall, Whittington, near Oswest Street. Just No one needs to know the address. <laughs> Which was worth 60,000 pounds or as of 2006, 4.3 million pounds. Okay. So So they got some money. They were, they were deep pocketed. Yeah. As well as an annual income of 10,000 pounds or 716,000 pounds as of 2006. That would do. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll make you comfortable. That'll tie me over. From rental and agricultural assets generated by estates of more than 132,000 acres. Hmm. Crazy. Um, Mitten was sent to Westminster School, but was expelled after one year for fighting a master. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) He was then sent to Harrow School, from which he was also expelled after three terms. (laughs) Okay, so a great track record. Yeah, not doing great. Uh He was Uh then educated by a 
disparate series of private tutors whom he tormented with (laughs) practical jokes that included leaving a horse in one tutor's bedroom. Oh, so I mean, the the logistics of that had to have been pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. The smell also impressive. Also impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Despite having achieved very little academically, Mitten was granted entry into Trinity College, Cambridge. Now, how did he manage that? Yeah, who Who's, where did he stick a horse that, that somebody was like, okay, fine, just get this thing time. out of here. <laughs> he matriculated in January 1816, but according to alumni Cantabrigienses, mm-hmm. whatever that is, uh, it is doubtful that he took up his place, although there are claims that he took 2,000 bottles of port to sustain himself during his studies. sustain yourself. (laughs) Saying that you need... First, to say that you would need one bottle of port to sustain yourself is funny. Is ludicrous. To say that you would need (laughs) 2,000 bottles of port, of all things. That's too many. That's outrageous. That's more... Then if you're doing, you know, a four-year program, yeah, that's more than one bottle a day. Yeah. What are you becoming? A PhD? Yeah. A port-having doctor? Yeah. A port-having doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly was not awarded a degree, having found university life boring and embarked on a grand tour. Sure. So then it goes into his like military service, which like boring. All right, boring. He was a yeomanry, yeah, whatever. Yep. So farming, yep. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mitten later returned to his country seat and took up the duties of a squire in preparation for coming into his full inheritance when he became twenty-one. In eighteen nineteen, he entertained ambitions of standing for Parliament as a Tory, following family tradition. He secured his seat by offering voters 10 pound notes, spending a total of 10,000 pounds, more than 750,000 pounds as of 2006. Wow. I love that I have to say as of 2006 because I didn't look up the current numbers. I mean, why would you? And it's right there. Why would I? And 2006 was, you know, that was only like five years ago. (laughs) Yeah, that was was, was just a few years ago. Uh, He thus became MP for Shrewsbury. He spent just 30 minutes in the House of Commons in June 1819, but found the debates boring and difficult to follow because of his incipient deafness. Oh, my God. <laughs> what would he have? A, what was he expecting is my question. Why even like try to do things, though? If you're yeah. if you have all that money, you could yeah. just not do. Things. You could simply vibe. Yeah. I also, it's like back then, this is like, you know, the 1800s, there weren't any like court TV shows to make it seem glamorous. Like he had to have known that it was pretty dull. Yeah, I would think. Um, When Parliament was dissolved in 1820, he declined to stand at the next election. However, he attempted to re-enter Parliament in 1831, so 11 years later, Uh, This time for one of the two Shropshire seats and as a Whig candidate. He withdrew on the fifth day of the poll and came bottom with 376 votes. Wow. Uh, He then issued an address stating that he would contest the next parliamentary election. But by the time of that election in 1832, he had gone into exile to escape his creditors. Yep. That checks out. Yeah. 
it's either going to be that or he just simply lost interest. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, let's see. I'm going to skip a little bit of his squiring. Mm-hmm. Um, it is said that in 1826, in order to win a bet, he rode a horse into the Bedford Hotel opposite the town hall in Leamington Spa, up the grand staircase and onto the balcony, from which he jumped, still seated on his horse, <laughs> over the diners and the restaurant below, and out through the window onto the parade. Okay, so this guy's whole thing... He's, is, he's big horse guy. ...is just putting horses in places you wouldn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of his, like, whole yeah. prank. Yeah, let's be a little more original. And, like, you can mix it up. Yeah, put a different animal. <laughs> you could do any other Yeah. Um, he also held contests for local children at Dennis Modwi, I think is like one of his land spaces, Uh, his land space, one of his land spaces, (laughs) um, giving sums ranging from half a crown to half a guinea. Who knows what those mean? British people. Yeah. Um, to those who rolled all the way down the hill, Moldiness. So cute. Little cute competitions for children. There's probably a horse in a weird place. There. <laughs> yeah, probably. If I, if I know anything about this guy, there's going to be a horse. Mitten had hunted foxes with his own pack of hounds from the age of 10 and went hunting in any kind of weather. His usual winter gear was a light jacket, thin shoes, linen trousers, and silk stockings. Okay. Practical. <laughs> Practical. But in the thrill of the chase, he sometimes stripped off and continued the hunt naked. Good. Even, th- <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> even those snowdrifts and rivers in, f- in full spate. Even through snowdrifts and rivers in full spate. <laughs> that makes a little more sense. He also continued hunting despite being unseated and sustaining broken ribs. Quote, unmurmuring when every jar was in agony. <laughs> what? So high pain tolerance? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and sometimes led his stable boys on rat hunts. Each stable boy being equipped with ice skates. <laughs> okay, sure. What? Were the ice skates the weapon? Were yeah. they the transport? We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those Wikipedia articles where they just throw. They just sprinkle details. Details with no explanation. My favorite thing about Wikipedia. I love it. He had a wardrobe consisting of 150 pairs of hunting britches. <laughs> but S- but instead chose to wear linen pants. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Seven hundred pairs of handmade hunting boots. Why do you need that many? Yeah, literally two feet. Thousand hats and some three thousand shirts. Oh my god, this guy. That's a lot of clothes. It that's way too many. Wait till you hear this. Oh boy. Mitten kept numerous pets, including some two thousand dogs. Okay. Dream. On one hand, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand. The logistics of it are The logistics nightmare. are a disaster. Yeah. And how do you even, how can you even count that many dogs? Yeah. They're, they're wiggly. Yeah. They're running around. I would like to see an inventory. Yeah. That's all I'm I saying. would also, it could have been more than 2,000 2, for all we know. 2,000 dogs. <laughs> the idea of coming up with 2,000 names. Yeah. Um, his favorites among them were fed on steak and champagne. Sure. Because <laughs> champagne super good for dogs. Yeah. Um, his favorite horse, Baronet, had free range inside Halston Hall and lay in front of the fire with Mitten. Cute. But then there were 1,999 other dogs. <laughs> yeah. 
just no this was oh, a horse this is a horse <laughs> yeah so the two thousand dogs are like hello like, hey something is weird here once again putting horses in weird places yeah can you imagine opening your window and there's just like two that like they're four thousand eyes and like ears just like hello Perked. hello yeah. hello can i get some more steak please yeah my, um my champagne where is I it i need a top off <laughs> <laughs> um it was said of mad jack that not only did he not mind accidents he positively liked them accidents y- yeah just- on his carriage, apparently. They oh. call it a gig. Oh. Um, Mitten drove his gig at high speed and once decided to discover if a horse pulling a carriage could jump over a toll gate. Oh. And then in parentheses, they put, it could not. <laughs> <laughs> stop putting horses in weird places. Yeah, you got to stop that. On another occasion, he asked his passenger whether he had ever been upset in a gig. The man said he had not, and Mitten responded, quote, what? What a damn slow fellow you must have been all your life. <laughs> okay. So oh, excited. my God. He promptly drove the gig up a sloping bank at full speed, tipping himself and his passenger out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Mitten was an extravagant spendthrift. Visitors to his estates sometimes found banknotes secreted around the grounds, whether left on purpose or simply lost. Sure. Um, over the course of 15 years, he managed to spend his inheritance and then fell into deep debt. How wow. do you spend that much money? I mean, it could be the 2,000 dogs. It could be. Yeah, that's a lot of dog food. <laughs> and, you know, if it's the steak and bills. champagne. <laughs> yeah, the steak and champagne adds up. Um, his agent had calculated that he could uh, but reduce his expenditure to 6,000 pounds a year for six years, uh, then his estate would not have to be sold. But Mitten declared that, quote, I wouldn't give a damn to live on 6,000 pounds a year. So instead, you're going to live on none? Yeah, you only needed six years, dude. Oh, my God. And that's eight- not even one dog year. Yeah, that's not even one dog year. In 1831, he sold his estate at Dinas Modwi to John Bird and fled to Calais to avoid his creditors. Wow, what are the odds that it would be another John? (laughs) Another John. (laughs) It's such an obscure name choice. Yeah. Um, He had met an attractive 20-year-old woman named Susan on Westminster Bridge and offered her 500 pounds a year to be his companion. Ooh. Oof. Weird. I was hoping you'd say offered her 500 dogs. (laughs) Ma'am, I'm all out of money, but would you like five hundred dollars? <laughs> no, a thousand. I, I can, can go. go. I can, I can go going. higher. There's way more where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> she accompanied him to France and stayed with him until his death. During his stay in Calais, he tried to cure his hiccups. This is my favorite thing. By setting his shirt on fire. <laughs> You know, we've all heard that we've all been classic there. Yeah. remedy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Charles James Apperley, who wrote under the pseudonym of Nimrod, was present at this event. Quote, damn this hiccup, said Mitten, as he stood undressed on the floor, apparently in the act of getting into bed. But I'll frighten it away. So seizing a lighted candle, applied it to the tail of his shirt. It being a cotton one, he was instantly enveloped in flames. Yep. 
A fellow guest and Mitten's servant beat out the flames. Quote, the hiccup is gone, by God, said he, and reeled <laughs> naked into bed. Great. I mean, I think that would do it. I just... Your system is probably like, oh, got to do something else right now. Yeah. <laughs> We've been set on fire. <laughs> I don't have time for hiccups. <laughs> Um, in 1833, Mitten returned to England, where, still unable to pay his debts, he ended up in the King's Bench Prison in Southwark. He died there in 1834, a round-shouldered, tottering, old young man bloated by drink. <laughs> old young! Uh, worn out by too much foolishness, too much wretchedness, and too much brandy. The cause of death was delirium tremens. Which is okay. apparently losing your mind from alcohol withdrawal. Yeah. Okay. That's sad. Yeah. And then if you want to know where he was buried, obviously they give you Probably the exact give you the latitude and longitude. <laughs> <laughs> but that was John Mad Jack Mitten. He really was mad. He was mad. Ugh. A lot of animals, but I support that. Yeah. Yeah. I support that. I mean, I I have a hard time believing they were all being treated well, yeah. but yeah, we that's can help. True. He Good had point. the means to for yeah. most of most Some of them it. were getting steak. That's, man, you know, can't beat that. It's, you know, I love my dogs so much. And sometimes I think about how I th- I like to think they love me too. But all it would take was a stranger with a steak. Yeah. And they'd be like, and they'd be like, bye, who are mom. you? Who are you? <laughs> I'm leaving now. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> and goodbye to you, campers. <laughs> you're on you're on to the the steak that life is holding in front of you because this episode is over Uh, oh my gosh campers we just love you so so much go get two thousand dogs today yeah go to one or one if two thousand of you get one dog Uh, then it's basically the same it's the same thing um we love you so very much and we will see you next time we'll see you then goodbye goodbye